April 25th and 26th, 1986. The number four light water graphite moderated reactor at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant failed. The Chernobyl nuclear accident in 1986 was said to be the result of a flawed reactor design. It was operated with inadequately trained personnel and the explosion released at least 5% of the re radioactive reactor core into the atmosphere. Two plant workers died on the night of the accident. Further 28 people died within a few weeks as a result of acute radioactive radiation poisoning. And 116,000 people had to be resettled. Precious Lord, take someone's hand, be a friend. This is Stephen Thompson, and this is the Stephen Thompson Experience. Precious Lord, Precious Lord, the lyrics were written by the Reverend Thomas Dorsey, and he also adapted the melody. Dorsey said that he used this song as inspiration. He wrote Precious Lord in response to the grief that he felt at the death of his wife, Nettie, in childbirth, and also his infant son in 1932. And he wrote Precious Lord, the lyrics, as a response to that event. Precious Lord was also said to have been Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite song. And at his civil rights rallies, he would invite gospel singer Mahalia Jackson to sing this song to inspire the crowds. Also, at his funeral in April of 1968, King had this song played. And it was even said that before he was assassinated, he wanted it played at a mass that he was going to be at later that evening that he never made it to because he was assassinated. This was also sang at the state funeral of Lyndon Johnson in 1973. And Aretha Franklin sang this song at Mahalia Jackson's funeral in 1972. Franklin recorded a live version of this song for her album Amazing Grace in 1972 as well. This was also sung by Nina Simone at a music fair three days after King's assassination. And most recently, Beyonce performed Precious Lord at the 57th Grammy Awards in February of 2015. Now, Aretha Franklin began her career singing gospel at the New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit. And the thing about it was her father, C.L. Franklin, was a minister. Now, in 1960, at the age of 18, she began to sing secularly, but she always had her roots in the church. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm lone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. What does that mean for our leadership? It means that we need to view leadership in the terms of taking people by the hand and leading them. 
leading them through the times when they may be tired, when they may be weak, when they may be alone, through the storm, through the night. That means leading in both the good times and the bad times. And we can find this in photography. Photography, photos, photos tell the stories that often reveal the human condition. I want to talk about Margaret Burke White. And she was born on June 14, 1904 in the Bronx, New York, to Joseph and Minnie Burke White. And Margaret was, had a father who was fond of photography, but Margaret didn't pick up a camera until after her father's death. Now, this was in 1921, and Margaret enrolled in classes at Columbia University to study art. Her mother brought her a camera. That camera cost her mother $20 and had a cracked lens. And then, as time went on, she began to take more and more pictures. And throughout her college career, she went to seven different universities, and she studied swimming, dancing, paleontology, zoology, as in her final university at Cornell, she had a very hard time finding a job with all of these interests that she had. So she had an idea to take photography, photos of the campus, and sell the images. And after that, that helped her to make her first steps at becoming a photographer. Now, in this time period, there were a lot of female photographers at the time in the 1920s said there was over 7,000 women who were taking photographs in a professional capacity. It was even said it was representing at least 20% of the industry. Now, Burke White wanted to take photographs, but she didn't want to work in a studio. In the studio, they had people taking photos of families. Burke White wanted to do a little bit something different, so what she did is she went around and took photographs of these large grand estates in Cleveland, Ohio. And then she went and sold those photos back to the wealthy businessmen who built them. And that allowed her to begin her photography career, making a lot of money and also getting her more acclaim. Now, when World War II came around, she was working for Life magazine and she had permission to cover the North African campaign, and she was sent there by ship. Now, one day before she got there, and she was off the African coast, in the middle of the night, her ship was hit by a torpedo, and the ship sunk. And she got out with just one of her cameras and made it to the lifeboat. And, and jo she joked that the lesson that she learned was just to carry less equipment. Over her career, she ended up taking photographs of concentration camps in, in Nazi Germany. She took one of the last photos of Gandhi before Gandhi was assassinated. And she went on to be one of Life magazine's most famous and acclaimed photographers as well, of the, well as one of the most well-known women photographers of the century. The definition of Lord is this. It's someone or something having power, authority, or influence. And precious means greatly loved or treasured. Substance or resource of great value not to be.
be wasted. When we look back at photography and we look back at art, it is something that generates positive stories, positive memories, and they're precious, they're valuable. They tell stories that we might not otherwise see, and it helps us connect with the human condition. So in our leadership, looking at this concept of Lord, someone or something having power, authority, or influence, there's a couple ways to look at it. But I want to think about talk about this concept of precious Lord or precious leadership. Now, Nikolai Machiavelli or Nicoli Machiavelli or just plain Machiavelli had this famous quote. It says, it is better to be feared than love if you cannot have both. I want to push back on that and say that I think Machiavelli may be incorrect. And let's look at what the data says. So what does the data say about fear-based environments? Well, a fear-based environment, according to a study done by a university in Kentucky, not the University of Kentucky, but I believe Eastern Kentucky, found that workplace stressed, stress causes companies to lose over $300 billion a year. $300 billion are lost because of stress. A couple of things. An article. Fear-based leadership hurts a company. Here's 10 signs from an article about fear-based leadership. Fear-based workplace, everyone is focused on their daily goals. They don't have to be because if they miss a goal, they could lose their job. You won't get collaboration or innovation out of people who are scared to death. Number two, in fear-based culture, managers and HR people specialize in assigning work, measuring results, punishing infractions, and maintaining order. In a healthy culture, managers, HR, people provide in listening, problem-solving, and celebrating success. Three, in a fear-based environment, people are afraid to tell the truth because they already know no one wants to hear it. Four, in a fear-based company, people talk incessantly about who's up and who's down in the company's stock index. Five, in a fear-based culture, employees work, wonder whether they'll still have a job next week. Six, in fear-based workplace, following rules and avoiding blame are every team's top priority. Seven, in a fear-based environment, managers talk about collaboration and out-of-the-box thinking, but no one takes them seriously. Eight, in a fear-based culture, employees disappear without warning. When someone else disappears, people speak their names in whispers if they mention them at all. Nine, in fear-based workplace, the smartest and most capable employees don't get promoted. Ten, in a fear-based environment, the hardest thing to do is stay human. These are quotes from a study. And then, after backing up this study, they released an infographic created by Eastern Kentucky University. Their online Bachelor of Science in Occupational Safety program say the company spent about $300 billion annually for health care and missed work days as a result of workplace stress and fear. That's what the data says. Fear. Fear causes a company to lose companies around the world to lose $300 billion a year. Now, on the flip side, Harvard Business Review, 
comes out with an article a couple years ago, says proof that positive cultures are more productive. Harvard Business Review did an article and they talked about the benefits to a healthy workplace. First, health care expenditures at high-pressure companies are 50% greater than other organizations. So when you have a healthy workplace culture, then you decrease the amount of stress and stress-producing activities. Disengaged workers have 30% higher absenteeism, 49% more accidents, and 60% more errors and deficits. 18% lower productivity, 16% lower profitability, 37% lower job growth, and 65% lower share price over time. This is what happens in a workplace that is fear-based. But if you have a culture that isn't grounded in fear, Highly engaged employees, 100% more job applications. The companies grow when you have a positive workplace. Study came out, a Gallup study said that employees prefer workplace well-being to material benefits. Some of the, business, some of the other research they showed. There's six characteristics. Caring for and being interested in and maintaining responsibility for colleagues and friends. Providing support for one another. Avoiding blame and mistakes. Inspiring each other. Emphasizing the meaningfulness of the work. Treating each other with respect, gratitude, and trust. Four steps the research showed that will increase a business's profits by increasing the culture of compassion. One, you foster social connections. Two, you show empathy. A brain imaging study found that when employees recalled a boss that had been unkind or unempathetic, they showed increased activation in areas of the brain associated with avoidance and negative emotion. But the opposite was true when they recalled an empathetic boss. University of Michigan suggested that leaders who demonstrate compassion toward their employees foster individual and collective resilience in challenging time. Three, if you're a leader and you go out of your way to help. New York University Stern School of Business, Jonathan Haidt, showed in his research that when leaders are fair, self-sacrificing, their employees actually moved and inspired to become more loyal and committed themselves. As a consequence, they are more likely to go out of their way to be helpful and friendly to other employees. Four, if you encourage people to talk to you, especially about their problems, research by Amy Edmondson of Harvard demonstrates in her work on psychological safety a culture of safety in which leaders are inclusive, humble, and encourage their staff to speak up or ask for help leads to better learning and performance outcomes. Rather than creating a culture of fear or negative consequences, feeling safe in the workplace helps encourage the spirit of experimentation so critical for innovation. Another story. Study. 
Sheffield University, shown that empowerment when coupled with good training and teamwork leads to superior performance outcomes. So there's the data. The data says that increased compassion, increased empathy, increased sacrifice, that, that leads to increased productivity. Now, there's a book I read talking about what is the purpose of an organization. The purpose of an organization is to make profit. So if an organization is to make profits, which one do you choose? A culture of fear or a culture of respect, mutual empowerment, empathy? The data shows clearly that Machiavelli is incorrect. The data is on the side of compassion. The data is on the side of being precious Lord. Being the leader who will walk people through the difficult times. Being the leader who will help those, who will guide them to the light. You see, that's what the data backs up. The data backs up that if you implement the lyrics of this song, you will increase the productivity of your employees and you will grow your business. That is what the data said. That is what the data says. Now, if there is a study that says that increased fear, shutting people down, making the decisions yourself equals an increase in productivity, then bring me that study. But it says $300 billion is lost in the workplace when you have a culture of fear. So please, you decide. I'm not going to tell you what to pick. But the data says... Compassion, empathy, leads to an increase in employee engagement and an increase in profits, and it will grow your business. So, let's revisit that. Let's take a look. Let's decide that we're going to be a precious Lord in our leadership each day. Recently, They've gone back and taken a look at Chernobyl. And what they found in Chernobyl is that there have been an abundance of wildlife thriving. Even though the humans had left the scene and caused the disaster, wild animals and bird species are roaming what they're now calling one of Europe's biggest Wildlife reserves. They found wild boar, wolves, elk, deer are thriving in this forest and now grassland landscape that has just grown up in, in Chernobyl. It's become a sanctuary. They found elusive fauna. They found the lynx. They found the endangered European bison growing in this area. They found a population of horses released into the area in the 1990s, a rare breed that is doing really well in that area, they're beginning to stray outside of the zones. And they don't know how this is happening. They can't explain it. Scientists are having a very difficult time explaining this, how this is happening. Even in 2014, a camera trap set by a Ukrainian biologist found a species of brown bear that hadn't been in the area for well over a century. And they have found multiple sightings of this brown bear. 
a professor, his name is Nick Beresford, an expert on, on Chernobyl, based at the Center of Ecology and Hydrology in Lancaster. He said, he quoted, radiation is a matter of increased potential risk. But when humans are around, animals are simply shot or lose their habitat. And when the humans leave, look at this thriving environment that is built. What does that mean? Well, it means this. It means that we need to choose. Even in bad situations, even in situations that look like there's a lot of hope lost, there's a lot, a lot of bad things, you can ask for the precious Lord to take your hand. And you can be that type of leader. This is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience.